Our gracious Father in heaven, it's good for us to come and take time aside and to collect our thoughts and to be able to reflect on that which is the most important, which is our eternal soul, the eternity that we face, everyone. And we thank thee, Father, that we can do this now. This morning we pray earnestly, Lord, that our minds may be focused on thy word. We ask, Father, that we may be able to ignore the distractions of our busyness, of the affairs of this life that only steal from our mind and from our heart that, that which belongs to thee. And we pray, Father, as we are now able to hear thy word collectively as a body that we would receive a special blessing in doing so, that thy word would be a blessing to us, to all that are present, that we may receive what is needful, and that thy word may be able to fulfill its purpose and not return unto thee void. This we ask of thee in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to read from the first chapter in the Gospel according to Luke, Luke chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There was in the days of Herod, of the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. 
and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I have read through verse 17. The Lord Let is worthy us. that we bow before him in prayer. <clears throat> O Lord God of glory, to whom the whole creation must answer. Many do rejoice in this season about the birth of a babe many years ago, O Lord. But who is prepared to receive when the same person will return in power and great glory? We see this world is adrift that even those that have the name of Christian yet are not ready to receive the Lord when he returns. He has come humbly. He has come merciful, loving, kind, forgiving, and has died at the cross at Calvary. But he is resurrected And he said, because I live, ye shall live also. This is the hope that we want to claim, that heaven is a place prepared for those that are prepared. And while we are here, O Lord, it is necessary for us to gather about the Holy Word and not just read and meditate on the nice accounts, but also on what follows and what's so necessary because we believe there was no other way found by which we must be saved, but by Jesus Christ and what he has done at the cross. In believing and trusting, O Lord, thou art willing to save those that avail themselves of this great sacrifice. We are a privileged people in that we can come together and gather in a quietness in this building, unmolested, heeded, O Father, in comfortable benches, but yet thou didst show that thy Son did come and humble himself so much, and how poor he was that he was born and laid in a stable. And he himself said he had nowhere to lay his head when he began his ministry. Through faith, it hath pleased thee to save them that believe. Faith is a wonderful thing, O Lord, but thou wilt give it to those that humble themselves and beg thee, recognize their situation, draw near to thy word, and let the word reveal what our situation is in the presence of a holy God that cannot be approached without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the cleansing that his blood affords. O Father, Bless the Holy Word as it goes forth today, 
anoint the brother to speak it in simplicity, in truth, and those that hear it may receive it, O Lord, and accomplish thy purpose in their lives, dear Father. Many are the needs known unto thee, dear Father. We cannot tell, but thou dost, and art able through thy holy word to supply those need if we are willing to receive it. Dear Father, we are mindful of those that are hindered to gather with us, that are sick, dear Father, that went through operations. Be thou with them. We are also mindful of those that are of old age, O Lord, and cannot anymore move about, O Lord, and that they may look forward to the hope that is in Christ Jesus, because this world has not much anymore to offer to them. O Father, may we realize in these confusing times where the world is adrift, that we have a goal, dear Father, a place that is prepared, a hope that is sure in Christ Jesus. Bless the Holy Word unto us as we commit this service into thy care and keeping and pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Permit me to read a few verses more from the Gospel according to Mark, beginning at the first chapter and the first verse. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after the John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. We are approaching a time in our calendars where the custom is, at least in the western parts of the world, to commemorate the, the birth of Jesus Christ and to celebrate his birth by customs of exchanging gifts and spending time with family and friends. And 
exchanging good gifts and good gestures to, to one another, being able to show benevolence and kindness and, and goodness. And, and this is the time when, when man express themselves in, in a positive way and show their, their appreciation for life and for friendships and families. It's an interesting time because there is a shift, an apparent shift in, in behavior uh, that otherwise is not common or regularly seen or observed by those who, who you interact with on a daily basis. It's interesting how um, maybe in the workplace or in your school place or whatever situation, even in your families perhaps, you can have uh, a, a sudden change in attitudes, positive attitudes, and, and this idea of willing to embrace one another more openly. It's, it's a feeling that comes through uh, during these times, and we are more, more open to, to this sharing of, of love. We use the word loosely, love, and, and companionship. The world shifts into that mode and then quickly shifts out. And we know that shortly after that, we move into a, a, a mood of um, a celebratory mood, to, be put it, to put it mildly, and then into a consumerist consumption mood. So we, we go through various shifts in, in, in our society. And we find today now that uh, it's almost... Uh, being removed from our, our vocabulary, that we don't say Merry Christmas anymore. At least in my workplace, nobody says that anymore. They say Happy Holidays. The connotation or, or ascribing a religious or a specific religious uh, connotation to, to a holiday greeting is no longer acceptable unless you include every single religion under the sun when you're making that statement. So in order to be neutral or politically correct, if you will, we say happy holidays. You get emails with happy holidays, you get cards with happy holidays. We don't talk about Merry Christmas, or at least Blessed Christmas, which is what I prefer to use. But the times that we are in, and the occasion that approaches us rapidly, had an initiating event, had a period, a specific time in history of man, where it was possible for us to understand why we are celebrating what we do in, in December. We read in the, in the Gospel according to Luke of the account of the birth of John the Baptist. Actually, we didn't read about the birth of John the Baptist. We, we read about the declaration that Zachariah and his wife, that his wife Elizabeth would have a son and his name would be John. And Zachariah, being of, uh, a priest who uh, carried out his duties at the time of uh, prior to Jesus' birth, um, was chosen by God. Elizabeth, being a, uh, a daughter of Aaron, was chosen by God. And, and uh, we know from the scripture that John was, was a cousin to Jesus, that John was born before Jesus. And John had a very specific purpose. The Bible tells us here that um, as the angel is speaking to Zacharias, who is afraid, who is trembling at, at the vision 
that he experiences inside in the temple during, during his, his uh, duty and task to, to prepare the incense, that the angel says unto him that John will be born and he will have create great joy and gladness to those who receive his birth, particularly those like his parents. And he shall, ha- he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In this declaration that the angel makes to Zacharias, he, he gives us an understanding of the purpose of John. He lists in, in, in itemized form that he will go bef- before him, um, before, and we can read in Malachi, which is really the, um, the reference to this scripture, I, both Jesus and... Um, Jesus quotes Malachi in, later on in the Gospels as he connects and links uh, who John is in the context of what the Old Testament prophesied. And the Old Testament, in the, in the last book of the Old Testament, not necessarily the last chronological book in the Old Testament, but the last book in the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 3, it says, Behold, and this is God speaking to, to the prophet Malachi, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me and the Lord. He shall prepare the way before me. Speaking of that God is going to send a messenger who will prepare the way before God, more specifically before his son, Jesus Christ. John has always been referred to as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He is thought of as, a, as, as the town Herald who, who runs into the town and, and proclaims in, 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 in a heralding way, he harks out the, the, the announcement that, that something is happening or a news, or in this case, that, that nobility is approaching the town. And so John came in a period of time, approximately 300 years of roughly of silence between yeah, between the time that, that John appears into the scene in, in Israel and Jesus and, and the last revealed word of God speaking to a prophet is approximately just over 300 years. And so there's this period of silence in the history of Israel where God does not appear to audibly inspire or speak to any one particular man. He is not declaring any specific revealed message about what is about to happen for 300 years. He leaves, he leaves the children of Israel with the Old Testament scriptures as the basis for inspiration and understanding of the will of God. And in that state, they, they, they continued in their lives for 300 years. And historically, we can read the scriptures and see that, that they went through uh, ebbs and flow of periods in their lives where they were close to God and not close to God. We don't know. We don't know specifically. But Jesus Christ says 
that, that he came, that as we read in Mark, Jesus says in verse 15 of chapter 1, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So we don't understand precisely why that is the case other than we can make inference from that statement that the time in God's calendar, in God's view of, of, the, of the history of mankind, it was the right time, it was the appropriate time for God to send his son into the world and to roll forth, to bring out the message of salvation, the new covenant that would be sealed in the blood of his son. We can uh, speculate and we can use logical arguments to understand why it was a convenient time for Jesus Christ to have arrived on the earth. We understand that, that the Roman Empire was approaching close to its peak and it had already established a tremendous network of roads. It had conquered so many nations, allowing a common tongue and also a common access through uh, roads that were very well designed and engineered. And so it was an opportune time in order for the message of salvation to approach the history of man in such a way that if you needed to disseminate that message, this is the time to do it. This is when you're going to maximize the spreading of that message through a, a well-defined and, and well-engineered network. So it was the time. And Jesus says the time is fulfilled. And I read the short passages in Mark which, which span several, many years from the time that John is born to the time that, that he is cast into prison and from the time that at that point Jesus begins in earnest to declare his message. And his message is very simple. He says two things. Repent ye and believe. Believe the gospel, or in, in the, the equivalent in the Greek is believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. This is now the time. And Apostle Paul says in his uh, writings, don't have time to get there, but it says in the book of Acts when he's on Mars Hills, he says, and God has winked at our ignorance. He's, he's, he's basically overlooked the period of time in our lives when we didn't grasp this message in its entirety, when we didn't um, fully assess its value and recognize its implication to our lives. God said, he winked at that and said, now, when you hear the word of God, now is the time to repent, to have a change of mind towards who God is, who his son is, what his message means to you, and what you must do about it. Have a change of mind with respect to that message and believe the good news. The good news that there is now hope, not like on what we see in the world, a hope that is fleeting, that is misguided, that is unsubstantiated without a basis. But this is a, this is a hope eternal. A vocabulary that is only... Uh, acceptable to those who are thinking in the, in the fourth dimension of eternity and spirit beyond the human. And Jesus says the time is fulfilled. It is now time 
to believe this message and to in earnest consider yourself. Now, John was brought into the earth for, to declare the message that Jesus was coming, that the Lord God was coming in the form of his son, and that man needed to prepare himself to receive this. And it, it makes it very clear here. It says, and he shall go before him, before God, before Jesus Christ, in the power, in the spirit and power of Elias, and to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So let's look at this in, in a little bit more detail. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. It speaks to us that there was a state, it was perhaps a condition that was maybe prevalent in the society in the time of, of just before Jesus that described the relationships that existed in the households of the Israelites. A relationship that perhaps was not the way we would expect. This would suggest here that, that, that John, in his preaching, would have the effect of causing the hearts of the parents to now look at the condition of their children. More specifically, to be very clear, to look and to be concerned about the spiritual state of their children. Now, you can't, as a parent, think that way without first looking at yourself in the mirror and considering what state you're in with respect to God. But it says that the message John would preach would have the effect of causing man to think about not just their own spiritual state, but the state and the, 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 the destiny of their children. Because, after all, if I am going to prepare to receive a king that's coming into my house, I better make sure that everyone else in my household is ready to receive that king, that they're in that proper state, ready. And so the message extended beyond just the parents, but for the parents to also now be concerned about the conditions of their children. And this can then, you can see the, the interaction effect that this goes on to, to look at the condition of our society. Of the, of the, in, the, in their case, it would be the synagogue, their communities. What spiritual condition was this community in ahead of the arrival of Jesus Christ? And John prompted them. And it says here, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So this is the other category of individuals that were present at the time prior to the arrival of Jesus. That there were some that were, that were disobedient. There were some that, that were living a life that felt that there was no consequence. No consequence to their, to their actions, to their beliefs. They were living a carefree life, a careless life. They were not respectful in any way of their actions. In fact, we can read in Malachi, which is, which is where I read from in chapter 3, if, you re if we read the previous verse in chapter 2, verse 17, God says to the children, the rebellious children of Israel, he says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord... And he delighteth in them, 
Or where is the God of judgment? So this is suggesting to us that there was a segment, a segment of the population, not unlike today, that questions the existence of God. Where is God's judgment? Where is the one that will judge me and hold me accountable for my deeds? Where is he? The Christian faith proclaims that there is a God, a benevolent God, an all-loving God, but also a God of judgment, one who, who will hold accountable man to the deeds done in his body. And in Malachi, the children of Israel were saying, where is the God of judgment? And God responds in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And then he says, And the Lord whom you seek, the one who is the God of judgment, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple in an untimely event, in a period of your life when you're not really seeking him, when we're not really seeking the God of judgment. He will come suddenly and unexpectedly to hold man accountable. That is very different than the time in which Jesus came. I believe Malachi chapter 3 is speaking about two events. There is the, the messenger that prepares the way before the Lord. The Lord comes. He is declared. He dwells among men for three years, makes his message clear and undeniable. He substantiates and validates his statement of who he is by means of miracles. And then he does the utmost, which he dies for man. And he is resurrected to show that, in fact, everything he said about who he was is true. Otherwise, you wouldn't believe on him. And then he will come suddenly. He will come suddenly. He will come suddenly to judge the world in a time when we least expect it. And Jesus says of himself... That, that that day, the day of judgment, is a day like a thief in the night that comes into a house that had we known when the thief was going to come to the house, we would have prepared for it and we would not have allowed our house to be broken. But Jesus will come back the second time after he's given the earth the opportunity to weigh his words. He will come suddenly. It will appear suddenly to you and me if we are not prepared if we have not taken heed to the message of John. And John says here in his message, the message given to the, by the angel to Zechariah was that he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and, he will, and, and the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So in the category and segment of the population of those who scoff at the existence of God and him being a judge of us, there will be some who will actually consider the message of John and who will have their hearts turn to hear and believe the wisdom of the just. The wisdom of those who say, no, God is real, he is true to his word, he is coming, and he's going to, he is going to come. And then the last part that John will fulfill is that he will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In his preaching, 
in his declaration that man must repent and for the remission of sins. His, his baptism, which was basically a declaration by man that they accepted John's message, that they, they personally accepted John's message and that they had confessed their sins and had, and, and had changed their mind with respect to their, their own spiritual condition, with respect to their need to be concerned about their own, the spiritual condition of their house, that they have changed their mind about seeing God as not really present and not really real and not one who's going to hold me accountable, but changed their mind towards the wisdom of the just, that they are now willing to hear the message of, that is in the Old Testament. That was the context for John and the Israelites and children of Israel at that time, and that they were going to prepare themselves for the person, for the Lord that was coming, that John said was going to come. And that's why they got baptized. They got baptized to make that declaration that they were preparing themselves and had prepared themselves for the Lord. And Jesus got baptized too. It was, Jesus didn't get baptized in the baptism of Jesus Christ. He got baptized in the baptism of John. He too was affirming by means of being baptized in the baptism of John. He was affirming everything John said that yes, man had to prepare for the Lord. Had to be prepared to receive the Lord. A people ready, prepared for the Lord. When John was in prison, John perhaps experienced a period of doubt. As a forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one who had fulfilled the task of preparing the people for the Lord, he now found himself cast in prison uh, as a result of, of identifying a sin, an improper behavior. And he is cast into prison, wondering about his situation and wondering about who Jesus really is. And we read in in chapter 7 of Luke, verse 19, I'm going to read a few verses. And John calling unto him two of his disciples, just John is in the prison, he calls two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? When the man, his disciples, were come unto him, they said John, John unto Jesus, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And, then, and in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities, that's Jesus, and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto many that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, he spoke unto the, the disciples of John. He says, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. To the poor the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whoever, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. And he asked these questions. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? 
But what went ye out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Jesus Christ questioned man. What was it that you went out to see when you heard about the oddity of John the Baptist in the wilderness and his preaching? And you saw that there were many people from Judea and out in, in the outskirts of Jerusalem and, and in Israel that, that went out to see John. We read in Mark that many multitudes went out to see John, heard his message, believed his message, changed their lives, and were willing to declare that, that change and to affirm their belief in what John said by being baptized. And it says here that, And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. So Jesus is saying, what is it that you went out to see when you went out to see John? What drew you to to John? And it says here, did you go out to see a reed shaken with the wind? Now, the word, the expression here, a reed shaken with the wind, gives us this connotation of something. Well, we, we picture a reed, and in the, in the River Jordan, in fact, there were many reeds. They would be tall, and they would be slender, and the wind would allow them, and the waves would allow them to move back and forth. But what was the significance of that statement? One potential significance is that perhaps, and this is a... a a statement that is based on Jewish understanding of, of, of the symbol of a reed, that, that, that man went out to see potentially someone who would be moved to and fro with various opinions and ideas. Now, you, you have to think, does that, how does that uh, make sense as far as your heart And what draws you out to see this man that is proclaiming something unique? And the same verse says, But what went ye ye out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's court. In fact, when they went out to see John, they didn't find a man that would be easily persuaded or moved back and forth to their opinions. Perhaps they were looking for someone that would say something encouraging, but would not necessarily impose a change in their lives. In other words, someone that was willing to accept their position, their opinions, was accommodating to their belief. That wouldn't necessarily require a change. And Jesus is saying, what did you expect to see? Someone that would not prompt you to change? Someone that would agree with your condition prior to meeting him? And it also speaks about soft raiment. It gives this idea that Jesus is questioning people, did you expect to experience no change in your lives when you went to see John? Or or were you expecting to find something interesting in John, 
but altogether accommodating to your current lifestyle? And the answer is no. John in no way was going to accommodate anyone's lifestyle because John came to proclaim that it is your lifestyle that needs to change. It is, your, it is the way you are thinking. It is the way you are living that puts you in a perilous position when Jesus Christ comes. And you need to change that. And so they were prompted, they were shaken, they were moved by what his message said. And we have to question ourselves when we come to hear the word of God. If you come to hear the word of God, or if this is the first time you've heard the word of God, how do you see this word? Are you willing to change? Or are you hoping that you can accommodate the word of God within your current life? That it can be compartmentalized and it can become just another appendage to your life without actually causing a, a, a step change in who you are. And Jesus challenges. He challenges man. You didn't come to hear John and to go back unchanged. He will change you if you let him. Jesus was baptized by John in order to fulfill all righteousness, in order to let people know that John's message was serious and real and that everyone needed to prepare themselves to meet the Lord. And then when God, through his divine ways, decided that it was time now for Jesus to to proclaim his message without the need of a forerunner. He allowed John to be put into prison and eventually executed. He would no, John would no longer be in the picture. The message of repent for the remission of sins, which was, a, which was, in other words, prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord, to receive the Lord, had now come to an end. Jesus was there. And now Jesus was declaring the specific message, which was repent, same thing, have a change of mind, but now believe the good news. Now believe this good news. And the good news is that if you just stopped at the baptism of John and had a reformation of your life in that you agreed that my life needs a change and that if God were to come now, I am not ready to receive him, so I better, I better make things straight. I better stop sinning. I better stop being disobedient. I better show concern and interest in what God is saying. I better also bring my children to church or I better make sure that, that they understand that we all have to collectively, as a family, come to hear the word of God and that we have to prepare ourselves for the coming king. If we were to stop just there, we would fall so short of what Jesus intended. Because Jesus said, once that preparation was in place, Jesus said, now you need to believe in who I am. I am the one you were preparing for. I am the one that is going to 
fulfill the ability that was prophesied in the Old Testament that the sins of man could never be removed by the shedding of blood of animals, by the sacrificial practices of the Old Testament, of the law, but that there had to come a perfect sacrifice once and for all to, to, to cleanse man of his sin and to give him freedom forever and the ability to have a relationship with God unhindered in any way. And so the message that Jesus Christ came to preach was simple. And he came to preach it to a people that were supposed to be prepared, that had done their homework and had conditioned their hearts to prepare. We live in a time when we have to be serious about what we hear and seriously look into our own lives. Everyone is given the opportunity to believe. Every person is given by the grace of God an opportunity to believe a very simple message. Jesus didn't go into elaborate theological arguments. He simply said that there's a time now for you to have a change of mind. Simple as that. A change of mind. I am who I am. I am the Son of God, Jesus declared, and I came to offer salvation. You need to believe that message. And my salvation is fulfilled and confirmed by the resurrection that was witnessed by hundreds and, for, and, and proclaimed after his birth, after his death, so that many more would believe. And so today the message goes out again. It's very simple. And it's up to you. Jesus said that he would speak to man in parables, not because... He wanted, he, wanted, he wanted to make it difficult for them to understand, but rather because men had chosen in their hearts that they weren't willing to understand. And that they, they had already predetermined in their minds and hearts that they were not willing to be open to this idea of God sending his son in order to offer salvation for man. And that man, that God would only require two things, faith and a willingness to change, allow God to change them. I pray that you may consider that, that you may weigh the simple message and take the opportunity, as Jesus said, to repent and believe the gospel. Hymn 284, all verses.
284, all verses. Really thy word does say that the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And yet perhaps even a more foolish thing would be if 
we are to say that there is a God, but He is not holy. He is not just. He is not pure. He is not righteous in all things. That would be the most foolish thing to say. And Father, if our God is such as Thou art, how ought His children to be and to behave? And Heavenly Father, we know since our first forefather Adam did in his heart choose to turn away from Thee, how that kingdom was ripped from his heart, how his soul become darkened and the light of truth and peace had vanished. And Heavenly Father, if thou, didn't have, if thou didst not have that eternal love which thou hadst in eternity with thy, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and with thy Holy Spirit, if thou didn't have such a great and a perfect love, where would Adam and all, the, all his offspring, where would they be? Where would we be? And Father, we can see where we would be if we look at those that have rejected thee and have turned their hearts and their ears from the preaching of that precious word which we have heard this morning. This world itself will testify to the depravity of man's decisions, to the greed and the lust, to the murders, to the immoral activity, through the intimidation, through the hatred. It is there, Father, much more than we can see. Thou dost see all, Father. There is nothing hid from thee. And Father, how thankful we are that thou hast showed us thy true heart. Thou hast showed us thy mind, thy thoughts, thy good will and intention unto thy creation through thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, though we, as we heard, though we would be dressed in good apparel and live in comfort and have riches untold, in the materialistic world we live in. Lord, if our soul does not know thee, we would be like we are lying on ragged stones and dark places within our hearts and within our souls. We are empty, we are uncomfortable, we are not at peace. And Father, we thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ who brought peace to this earth and whoever would embrace him and realize who he is and what he has done for us by dying on the cross. Father, we can enter into that peace and be restored unto fellowship with thee. And Father, we know there is a price for this, but the price we have to pay is, is so little to put our faith and trust in thee. To give up those foolish and those vain and empty and trifle pleasures that we seek for here upon this earth, which for a short season does perhaps please, but very shortly after that it brings sorrow and restlessness. It brings fear and confusion.
And Father, we thank Thee that in the Lord Jesus Christ there is peace to those whose minds and hearts are surrendered unto him. And Father, we confess they are not always surrendered unto him. We confess that we fall often and we are not obedient always as we ought to be. But Father, thy mercy is greater than our failures. And Lord, in thy perfect and thy precious fatherly way, thou dost know how to restore us and to bring us back unto obedience, O Father, that we may walk with thee and we may be a blessing unto those that do not know thee. Father, forgive us for our many failures, our sins before Thee. Help us, O oh Father, to overcome here upon this earth all those things that would strive to take our energies and our hearts away from Thee. Bless those that, Father, are desiring to know Thee but are still perhaps confused because... The prince of this world is so good at confusing and distracting and leading astray those who would desire to know the truth. But thou hast promised that those that seek thee with their whole heart, those that seek thy kingdom and thy righteousness, O Father, they will surely find it. For thou art true, and thy promises are true, and what thou hast spoken will come to pass. And Father, we are so thankful we have a faithful and a truthful and a loving God and yet a holy God that calls us to turn away from sin and to find salvation through thy Son. Bless those that could not be with us, dear Lord. There are many, as we have heard, they are very sick and ill and they need encouragement and strength. Many are in their aged years, dear Lord, and perhaps contemplating their lives behind them, what they have done, what little they have done for thee. But Father, we know that the ending of a thing is better than the beginning. And Father, if we can end our lives fully trusting and depending upon thee, what a glorious thing that will be. Bless those who are poor and rejected in this world, the needy, the suffering, and especially those that have not heard the good news. Bless the feet and the hearts and the hands and the minds and all the efforts of those who desire to share thy truth in this sin-darkened world. Comfort those and strengthen those that are in prison for thy precious name's sake, those who are being persecuted, and those who are being separated from loved ones, dear Lord, because they choose to follow the gracious Master. Heavenly Father, do that above that which we are asking and help us to fulfill what we have heard this day. We thank thee for all thy goodness. We praise thee and we ask that thou will do far above that which we are about, that we can ask of thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hymn number 47.
Another year has quickly passed by, and we are once again celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus. It is a wonderful time of the year, and we look forward to presenting our program to you this morning. To begin our program, we would like the primary class to officially welcome all of you that are here today. Jesus, on your benefit, help me play the lion, my mercy. Have you ever thought about what the real meaning of Christmas is? In the hustle and bustle of the season, it is so easy for people to miss the true reason why we celebrate. I hope that my poem, entitled My Thoughts This Christmas Day, will remind us all. When I awakened this morning, I thought of that first Christmas morn, of the lowly manger in Bethlehem, where Christ our Lord was born. I thought of the, I thought of the quiet rejoicing of Mary who knew that her son was the sign the world was awaiting, the Christ child, the Holy One. I thought of the shepherds on the hillside, beholding the goal in the night, and preparing themselves for the journey when they would follow the path of the, its light. I thought of the message of the wise men, had run in the brilliant star and of the miles they were willing to travel on the journey that would take them far. I thought of the day of rejoicing that followed the holy child's birth and of blessings that have touched all as his message has spread through the earth. We hope that you will listen to the story that we love to tell as we sing our first song.
Every time I think of Jesus, I can be happy as I can be. For Jesus, he left his home in heaven just to come to earth for me. It was God's love for his creation that sent Jesus to earth. Savannah is going to tell us all about that in her poem called It Was Love, followed by a song about the baby Jesus. "'Twas love that sent God's only Son to be born upon the earth. "'Twas love that sent the angel chorus to announce the royal birth. "'Twas love that sent the shepherds to the manger where Christ lay. "'Twas love that sent the shining star to guide the wise men, no, the stars so bright to guide the wise men on their way. That love is still abiding. Today it's just the same as it points us to the Savior through faith in Jesus' name. Christmas story. Landon and Sylvia will tell you all about it when they recite their verse together. Well, shepherds washed their flocks by night, and angel did appear to bring good tidings of great joy, and told the shepherds not to fear. Wise men found the Savior, and gifts to him they did bring. A baby born in Bethlehem, our Savior, Lord, and King. Daniel's poem will tell us all about the things that Jesus, the King of Kings, didn't have when he came to earth. After his poem, we will sing a a song called Once Long Ago. No palace to welcome the King of Kings, no no crown, no scepter of gold. No royal robes for our Savior, no rings, no feast in his honor, I'm told. No crowd to receive him, no throng to adore, no pillow to cradle his head. No clothes but the cloths of some others he wore, no cover to put on his bed. Just one little baby, a manger of hay, an inn and a star that shone bright. Just one little baby, a mother and child, but oh what the world gained that night.
Do you remember the special star that played such an important part in finding out where Jesus was born? Miriam is going to tell us more about that star as she recites her verse called A Store Total. Long ago on Christmas night, a star shone in the heavens bright. It stood above a child so dear, telling all the Savior is here. Gabriel's poem will tell us about that Christmas of, uh, promise about, of Christmas. What was the promise that was told about the pro- by the prophets many years before it came to pass? Our song, Quampar Stories, will tell us more about that promise that was shared with the shepherds that night. Christmas comes with promise new that reminds us once again, the baby who was born in Bethlehem was a savior of all men. He was born in lowly manger, up Golgotha's hill he trod, he rose in triumph o'er the grave, for he was a son of God. So Christmas brings a promise of hope, peace, and love, for the baby of Bethlehem's manger is also our God of love. talks about the beauty of Christmas morn. Wouldn't it have been nice to, to have been there to see that glory firsthand? <sighs> Shepherds watching over their sheep on hillside dark, forlorn, gazed in awe and wonder at the beauty of that morn. When angel choirs descending announced that Christ was born, with haste they left their flocks to seek the place the chi- Christ child lay up in manger stall they found the baby upon a bed of hay, and there they knelt before God's Son to worship and to pray, to honor and adore the one who came to earth below, took on himself the form of man, so all the world might know the beauty of that mo- Christmas morn so many years ago.
I think we will agree with Amelia as she tells us who is the greatest as she recites her poem entitled The Greatest of These, followed by Sandor by Oh. The greatest of these is a savior, as the angels to shepherds said, and he would be found in Bethlehem in a lowly manger bed. The greatest of these suffered long. He is kind and gentle and true. He is Christ, the Son of God, who came to save me and you. The greatest of these to us should be our Savior, Lord, and King. Let us worship him now and always, and ever his praises sing. The greatest of these is the wonderful, everlasting Father is he, our daily counselor and God. We hope you enjoy our next song called Winter Snow. Laura's poem will tell us more about the traveling that Mary and Joseph had to do on their way to Bethlehem. was born in Bethlehem, much traveling was done. Mary and Joseph made their way as she carried her baby son. When he was born beneath the star, the shepherds left their sheep and walked for many miles to find the heavenly child asleep. Over desert sand then came wise men, traveling by camel from afar. They anxiously moved forward following heaven's special star. Have I started on my journey to meet my Savior up above? As I journey, do I carry gifts of gratitude and love? Or am I like King Herod, filled with jealousy and fear? We each must search our souls now that Christmas time is here. Connor will now say his poem called His Star, and that will be followed by one of our favorite carols, Joy to the World. A star in the sky shone clear and bright when Jesus was born on that holy night. It shone with so much glory upon the major star of faith and this was the Savior, the Lord of one and all.
We've already heard about the part the special star played in the Christmas story. Listen as Peter tells us more about that star in, the, in his poem. Then Caroline's poem continues to tell us more about this special star. It is amazing to think how God used that special star. The star which shone that holy night and cast its beams of wonder light still shines to make this world aglow with tidings glad of long ago. The star which guided men of old and led them on with hope so bold is shining still from up above and can be seen with faith and love. The star that led to Bethlehem still lights the way for weary men and gives the hope and peace within that comes from that only comes from knowing him. As I look in the sky at Christmas and see each beautiful star, I marvel that the wise men could follow one so far. And oh, the wonder of God who could move it everywhere until it rested over Bethlehem and led the wise men there. It must have been just marvelous that night Jesus came to earth. Thank God for his holy sin given to us. Thank God for his holy birth. I would now like to recite my poem called Christmas Spirit. This poem leaves us, with, leaves us all with a challenge for the remainder of this year and into the new year. Prayerfully consider its message. If we could keep the spirit of Christmas we hold dear, we'd be a little kinder each day throughout the year. We'd find the time to pause along our busy days and lend a hand to someone struggling on life's way. If we could keep the spirit that prompts our Christmas living, we'd be tolerant with others and a little more forgiving. Fewer hearts would need be broken, more folks would wear a smile, and not just because it's Christmas, but each day would be worthwhile. If we could keep the spirit of Christmas, we, of Christmas through the year, we truly then would honor the Savior we hold dear. Our program is never complete without our last carol, our last Christmas carol, Silent Night. It is one of our most reverent Christmas carols. Please join us in on the second and third verses as we conclude our Christmas program.
what a beautiful program you've sung for us this, this morning and the poems were so touching. I was thinking uh, as I was looking upon the children this morning, I said, what beautiful children. And I'm sure that Jesus is looking down and saying, what beautiful children. And more so because you've glorified him. The beauty that comes from within. And Jesus took children upon his lap and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And you portrayed the innocence, the love, and the beauty of Jesus Christ as you've sung for us this morning. May the Lord richly bless you for your labor of love. You took a lot of time, I know, to memorize those verses, to practice. And this is all for the little babe in the manger. I don't ask for encores, usually. <laughs> That's not true. But I would like if we can all finish off with everyone standing up and singing with the children, Joy to the World. And then we'll have Brother Carlos, if you can have a closing prayer and include the meal. So let's all stand for Joy to the World, three verses. <laughs>